Some of you have seen me wear this stole before, and I thought I just might mention for those of you who haven't seen it, that Penny had this made for me uh, when I was ordained uh, quite a few years ago. These are the handprints of our grandchildren. And so I thought it was very appropriate on Father's Day to be able to wear this uh, special stole. Let us look to God in prayer. Gracious God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear the message that you speak to each of us this day. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The scripture reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, starting at verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why did your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While Jesus was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly, a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed at him. When the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout the district. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When David emailed me, you remember David? <laughs> David emailed me to see if I'd be willing to preach this Sunday. He also included three possible sermon titles that he wanted me to consider. First was David, a man after God's own heart. Second was David, there'll never be another one like him. The third was David, nah. He was okay, I guess. <laughs> well, we all appreciated David 
sense of humor. And I'm sure our new pastor, Pastor Jay, will bring with him his unique gifts and graces that will bless us. And I'm actually uh, looking forward and excited to his arrival. He'll be here in two weeks from today to lead worship. So let us continue to pray for him and his family as well as for the beings. A change in pastoral leadership is one of many interruptions we're likely to face during our lifetime. And so I'm going to set aside David's suggestions for another day and focus on dealing with life's interruptions. Now, living through our recent pandemic created interruptions in almost everyone's household, I venture to say. Show of hands if you had something delayed, postponed, canceled because of the pandemic. What I thought, yes, indeed. In fact, in our own family, our grandson was planning to be married last April. That didn't happen, so they thought, well, we can probably go in June. No, let's drive August. No. Finally, they said, we're getting married in September, and they did. It was a smaller wedding, much smaller reception, and they're planning a major reception in the middle of next month. But that was uh, one of several interruptions in our family. And of course, we have a number of military families in our church, some that are still on active duty, others who are retired. And if you've been part of that, you know what life's interruptions are all about. If you are reassigned and have to uproot your family and move or or even be separated and deployed. Because of my dad's work, we moved a number of times during my school years. The first major move I recall was during the middle of sixth grade. We moved from West Virginia to Peoria, Illinois. Now, the kids out there thought West Virginia was in the deep south. <laughs> and it was uh, winter time, snowing, and the kids kept asking, have you ever seen snow before? Of course I had. Quite a bit of it, actually. At the end of my eighth grade, uh, we moved to Indianapolis. And then a year later, we returned to West Virginia. And then I finished high school there, and then my family moved to Pennsylvania. Well, each of these moves was a painful interruption to my uh, life. Uh, each move seemed to be more difficult. I got older, you know, more serious relationships with young women. But uh, I found that each place we moved had its advantages and had things that were special there that I hadn't enjoyed previously. Just for a couple of examples, the one year we lived in Indianapolis, I had the opportunity to go to Philmont Scout Ranch in Mexico, which is a desired destination for anybody in scouting. And then when we returned to West Virginia, I was able to go to the Boy Scout World Jamboree in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. So you see, not all interruptions are bad. Sometimes there are obvious blessings that come with the interruptions. At times, the blessings might not seem so obvious right away. Perhaps you've been laid off, but then you found a better job. That was true in my dad's case, and I know it was true of others. Well, there are three significant interruptions in today's gospel lesson. In one case, Jesus interrupts the life of another, Matthew. 
In the other two instances, it is Jesus who has his life interrupted. And so let's look at each of them to see what we can learn about dealing with the interruptions in our own lives. The first account is Matthew's call to become a disciple of Jesus. Now there are many invitations by God in the Bible. You're familiar with some of them, I'm sure. But most of them were met with excuses. God called Abraham said he was too old. Jeremiah claimed he was too young. And of course, Moses had lots of excuses. He said, I stutter, among other things. But Matthew amazingly gives no excuses. He responds in faith and with faithfulness. Christ invites himself into Matthew's life, and Matthew invites Jesus into his. Jesus says to Matthew and to each of us, Follow me. Follow me. And so what do you do with Christ's invitations? Do you ignore them? Do you postpone them? Or do you respond to them? There are no explanations given to Matthew when Jesus invites him as to where they would wind up. But of course we have Matthew's gospel that tells us of many teachings that Matthew got to hear, the miracles he got to see, and the lives that were transformed. He himself's life was transformed. And just like Matthew, our lives can be filled with joy and adventures when we travel with Christ. Matthew leaves his occupation as a tax collector and winds up with much more meaningful and purposeful life. Matthew gave up that comfortable job and Christ made it even richer. He made it satisfying, he made it significant. And he does the same for each of us who respond to his invitation to follow me. When I was 14, a pastor I was working with for my God Country Award. It sounds like this is a pitch for Boy Scouts. Um, and it is. Uh, but anyway, I was working on my God Country Award for scouting, and uh, the pastor said to the end, well, you should consider becoming a minister. Really? Well, his words resonated in my soul for many years caused me to agonize over that suggestion and to wrestle with it. The following year, we moved to West Virginia, and uh, we got settled and uh, attending a new church there, and once I got to know the pastor, uh, I approached him one day and said, you know, I need your help. I'm wrestling with whether or not God may be calling me into full-time ministry. I wasn't prepared for his response. He said, if you can do anything else, do it. <laughs> I was so shocked by that that I, I didn't ask follow-up questions like, you know, are, are you dissatisfied and you know, is it worse than you ever thought it would be? But his comment didn't have a significant impact on me because I felt at that time I could do some other things. So I went off to college and became a chemical engineer and going to major corporation and began my corporate career. And all the time during that, I was still periodically wrestling with that 
congestion and also being very actively involved as a layperson in our various churches. But one day, after 31 years at this corporation, I came home from work and said, Penny, I think it's time to go to seminary. And she said, I'm not surprised. I was expecting this, and I'm ready now. Well, I guess I've reached the point where I could do nothing else. <laughs> that major interruption in my life led to three very enjoyable years in the seminary and to a wonderful experience as a pastor for eight years. After my mother died, we invited my dad to come and live with us, knowing that there would be some interruption in our household before. Our house wasn't all that big, it would get a little cozier. But we never envisioned what a tremendous joy and enrichment it would be for all of our family, including our two girls that were at the right age to appreciate the wonderful attributes of my dad. And so we had that experience for nine years before he died. So you see, interruptions can be God's way of getting our attention drawing us closer to God and usually bringing more joy and meaning into our lives. The second part of today's passage from Matthew is also about interruptions. This time it's Jesus who is being interrupted. A leader of the synagogue, a member of the ruling class, interrupts Jesus' day. This is a guy with prestige and authority who had been harassing because he wasn't obeying the very finer points of the Jewish law. But now he was just a common person with a special need. His little girl had died. And so he's been convinced of the healing power of Jesus and comes to Jesus and says, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will be made well. Jesus responds to this interruption by a desperate father, setting aside his plans. But while following the father back to the house, Jesus is interrupted a second A woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, where she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Because of her condition and human law, she was considered an untouchable, and any man who touched her was considered unclean. She was essentially cut off from all social contact, including attending services at the synagogue. For 12 years, she'd been to many doctors and tried all types of cures, but with no results. She was desperate, desperate to be rescued from her humiliation and isolation. She should not even have been in the crowd, let alone reach out and teach and touch a man. And as she touched the tassel on Jesus' robe, it was as if time stood still. The beautiful thing about this scene is that all at once, among that crowd, Jesus stopped. For the moment, it seemed that for him, no one but that woman and nothing but her need mattered. She was not simply a poor, helpless woman lost in the crowd. She was someone to whom Jesus gave the whole of himself. He did not scold her for the interruption. 
looked at her and said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And she was healed. Jesus transformed both these interruptions into significant blessings. Now, if you're like me, though, interruptions are generally unwelcome. But I strive to remind myself that any interruption can be where ministry needs to be done at that moment or that day. And remember, we, you, we are all ministers. My agenda for the day is probably less important than responding to the interruption. As followers of Jesus, we are to serve in his spirit of love and compassion. Whether interruptions impact our course of life or our day, we might look at them in the following ways. Consider that the interruption might be part of God's plan for your life or for your day. If the interruption is from God, God will take care of the other issues of your life and your day. See if the Lord is presenting you with an opportunity to serve. Respond to the interruption with grace and helpfulness. At the end of the day, it may prove to be the highlight. You may have heard it said that if you want to make God laugh, tell God your plan. <laughs> the prophet Jeremiah recorded these words from God. Familiar words to many of you, I'm sure. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm. To give you a future with hope. Let us each trust in God's plans as we encounter life's interruptions. The interruptions that are of the Lord are his invitations to follow him. May we each respond faithfully. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for the many ways you communicate with us. Enable us to listen closely when we encounter interruptions to our daily routine. Help us to respond with the love and compassion of Jesus. For we ask in his name. Amen. Um,